It is mind-blowing. And heartbreaking. How many original scripts are written every year but are never made? So we seek out these scripts and bring them to life with full audio production and professional actors. Check us out at Undiscover Scripts. Movies made of paper. Wherever you get your podcasts. Free! Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come, baby, come, and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. It is mind-blowing. And heartbreaking. How many original scripts are written every year but are never made? So we seek out these scripts and bring them to life with full audio production and professional actors. Check us out at Undiscover Scripts. Movies made of paper. Wherever you get your podcasts. Free! and welcome to another episode of Horror Movie Night. This is a little bonus episode that we have. I'm sitting down with, uh, I mean, he, I won't just call him a director. He's a writer, director, actor, producer, all types of stuff. Uh, Larry Fessenden, who has a movie that just premiered at the WTF Festival, uh, and, that, and that is Depraved. Um, Larry, first of all, I watched the movie. It's fantastic. I loved it. But before, oh, cool, man. That's but, fantastic. But before we get into this, I need to talk to you about Beneath, because I fucking love Beneath. <laughs> oh, you're just joshing. No, I'm no dead. but I, I'm very fond of it. No, I, I loved it. I thought it was a really cool twist on, like, Jaws. Like, it was a, it was a Jaws with a catfish, and I think that's awesome. Well, the other thing that's important to understand why Jaws is so beloved is that you love all three of the characters in the boat. And the twist really with Benice is that the kids are despicable. Yeah. <laughs> Not hopefully in a cliche way, but they turn on each other and you realize that uh, human society is very frail and that at any moment we could all turn on each other. So that was sort of uh, what I tried to bring to that story. I always, and as a result, it's slightly unlikable <laughs> are so annoyed. I always told people that the way I saw Beneath was it was like a weird combination of Jaws mixed with The Raft from uh, Creepshow 2. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and I, Fantastic. And I have to ask, because I saw this on your IMDb, that your first directing credit is something called Jaws on IMDb. 
Uh, was that just a short that you did way back when? Well, talk about the unfinished film. What that is, is my love of Jaws was so deep that I built a six-foot version of the Orca, and I used G.I. Joes, which are the foot-tall dolls uh, that were out in the 70s for boys to play with, and I shaved their little faces so they looked like the three characters, and then I built a shark out of paper mache and rubber, and then I tried to animate the whole thing and make Jaws. Well, it didn't work out very well, and I never finished it. But uh, I wrote a script, and in it, the, fit, the shark wins. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. I Anyway, I think there's a clip of it online. It's pretty <laughs> absurd. I'll have to search it out then. I saw that, and I was like, okay, this is the year after Jaws came. Or no, it was a couple years after Jaws came out. I need to know more about this little short. So what was the inspiration? Obviously, Jaws was a huge influence on your life. I'm assuming that Frankenstein was too, based on Depraved and a few of the other credits that you have for a few other shorts. Uh, well, that's right. I, you know, ever since I was a little kid, I, I loved the story and the monster. And, uh, you know, I grew up in the 70s when the only way to watch movies was, in fact, um, uh, to just watch them on TV. Um, and so I grew up with the the old black and white universal movies and then i i did um i read the comic books and uh i just was very entranced by the creature and years later i i sort of felt that i'd seen so many versions of frankenstein i wanted to try my hand at my own and i came up with depraved you know very organically i didn't really uh, uh go back and research I did more research about the medicine and uh, and some of the contemporary elements that I touched on. But uh, intuitively, I just knew the story. So that's what happened and how this movie came around. So when I was a kid, I was afraid to watch horror movies. So I had always watched those Universal <laughs> movies. What what was it that drew you to, to Frankenstein the most over like the Wolfman or Dracula or any of those? Well, the irony is uh, when I make my werewolf movie, I'll speak with just as much passion about Wolfman. I love Wolfman. I always wanted to be a werewolf, and I thought that wouldn't be cursed, but a, an incredibly exciting experience. So, and I love the comic book Werewolf by Night, which is actually a Marvel comic. And um, and I also adored the creature from the Black Lagoon. So it's really just uh a trick of fate that we're talking about frankenstein i hope one day we'll have an interview about wolfman because i loved him too but the monster of frankenstein is so specific and uh the design by jack pierce is so uh fantastically memorable and peculiar i mean what the hell with the bolts in the neck you know everything about <laughs> it is like bizarre and the idea of the flat head i mean he explained why he did that but it doesn't mean it makes sense <laughs> Um, sorry, it's so noisy. I apologize. Um, but I am in New York. Um, anyway, you know, so that's the thing. Now, I couldn't actually use that design, and I don't think I would have. I I referenced more like medical uh, choices, like I put the scar on the back of the head. That's how you would actually put a brain in uh, by making an incision in the rear of the skull. But uh, I still um, wanted to evoke the Frankenstein of my youth with both the choice of the actor and the sculpture of his face and then certain scars that I reference, you know, that, that sort of pay tribute to, to the 
Karloff monster. Are there any other types of films that you may have paid tribute to in Depraved that people might not notice the first time around? <laughs> well, it's funny you say that. I've told one or two other people that, uh, you know, it has a little bit of My Fair Lady in it. You know, in terms of, uh, <laughs> it, it really does. the monster how to speak. Uh, and, you know, when I was a kid, I liked musicals. I really like all kinds of movies. I only make horror because when I sit down in front of the page, that's what comes out. Everything goes slightly wrong in my stories. Um, and I always end up with something macabre and, you know, uh, obsessed with death and misfortune and also human arrogance and how that's going to be our undoing. But, um, yeah, I think there's a little uh, My Fair Lady in there. And, um, well, I mean, there's also Othello, if you know what I'm talking about. Is, yeah. Uh, the whole idea of um, Polidori, the character played by Josh Leonard, he starts to plant the seed in Henry's mind that the monster is bad, and it's all a lie. And even at the end, he says, well, I was just saying that, so you turn against him. Uh, and uh, so there's sort of that classic trope. I always loved Othello because I thought it was so sad that you would take advantage of somebody's gullibility and jealousy to turn them, you know, he uh, against someone who is innocent. So, you know, all these things, you know, you have a lifetime of books and movies that affect you, and they're all in there. I mean, I have a great little animation of all the books that the monster read, and if you pause that, you can see all my favorite books. There's Jekyll and Hyde and Scrooge uh, and uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and a bunch of other stuff. So, and of course, Paradise Lost, that's paying tribute to uh, the original Frankenstein. That's what the monster reads. I mean, Larry, I'll tell you, I really like this movie, but if at one point in the movie Adam started singing Why Can't the English Speak English, it would have been my favorite movie of all time, probably. <laughs> so... You're absolutely right. <laughs> that, uh, Budapest, never have I met a Rudapest. That's my favorite line. My favorite rhyme in any movie. <laughs> <laughs> so you've worn a lot of hats over your career. Which one do you kind of enjoy wearing the most? Are you more of a fan of the directing or the producing side or the acting side or writing? I don't like producing. I do it because I am passionate that people should find their muse and they should be true to themselves. But it's more of a, I'm, I, I play the role of the uh, uh, psychoanalyst. And I try to get people to be true to themselves and to, you know, be brave. Um, but it's actually, you know, you have to put someone else's vision first. Um, as for directing, I love it, but there's a lot of anxiety and you always walk away from the shoot and you think, oh, I know what I should have done. So that's a minefield. What I actually love is editing because you're alone again. You've had your interaction. You love your cast and crew, but now you're finally back on your own it's the opposite end of writing when you write anything's possible when you edit it's just uh the material that you have and now you actually have to make the film so it's a very creative part it's solitary again and yet you've been through the trauma of birth so to speak <laughs> so i like the editing the most i agree with you with, I love editing. I love writing and I love editing. Directing stresses me out too much. And you'll hear so many people 
kind of talk down on the editing process, but I, it's my favorite part of any creative project. It's like you're rewriting it from scratch. Of course. And, you know, it's the perfect time to bring up the time-honored cliche that you make your movie three times, once in the writing, once in the shooting, and once in the edit. And the only one that matters <laughs> is the edit. <laughs> uh, and, I mean, I under, I totally get the, the producing not being a, a favorite, but you know, we do have to give credit that like you helped with some pretty heavy hitters of the genre, especially House of the Devil and and Innkeepers, massive movies. Yeah, I'm very proud of uh, my association with Ty West. Also, Jim Mickle is finishing up a movie that I think everyone will be very excited by. I feel good to have uh, brought Jim, uh, not his first movie. He was going to be successful one way or the other, but we gave him a real leg up with Stakeland. Uh, and then, you know, recent successes like uh, Jen Wexler with The Ranger and Anna Asensio, Rob Mockler would like me. So I can proudly, like a father, rattle off some great projects we've put together. But it is exhausting. And you have to remember, if you want to be creative, uh, you got to do the work and, and you know, be a uh, well, if you want to be a director, you got to be a director. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh I have to ask, I'm interviewing you, uh, this will probably come out the following day, but I'm interviewing you right after the premiere at What the Fest. How was the reaction? How how was the big premiere? Uh, it was great fun. It was, you know, it was a great chance to show the crew uh, the movie that they worked on so hard. Uh, it was a great chance to show certain industry types that are in New York. So it was nice to have them see it on the big screen. And then uh, friends and supporters. So it was a very warm atmosphere. People seemed to like it. It was nice and loud and nice and big. I love that theater. I have history there. So uh, I can't ask for anything more. It was hosted by a uh, a fantastic um, gal who got dressed up like Frankenstein. So you can't do better than that. (laughs) And then another dude in drag as uh, Mrs. Frankenstein. So uh, it was very festive. And that's how... uh, that's what's so cool about horror is that it's a really tight community of zany people who are obsessed with death. So that's quite an unusual <laughs> mix. I always find horror people to be the warmest and kindest types. So, you know, we had a zany entry uh, and then and then we got serious because Depraved is a pretty big downer. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's weird to think of it as the follow-up to, to something like Beneath, because Beneath definitely wears its itself on its sleeve a little bit and acknowledges like, yeah, we're doing something that's still dark and horror, but it's it's a little bit more on the goofy side. Depraved is not on the goofy side for the most part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, most of my movies are somewhat more uh, somber, but, uh, you know, Beneath was a fun exercise. So uh, it, I like doing it all, like we say. Wait till you see my musical. I actually have a musical, believe it or not. I, I mean, I'll, I'll be first in line made. for that. I love, I love <laughs> me some musicals. I, I really do. <laughs> so, what That's is great. next for Depraved? If, if people want to see it, they miss the world premiere. Obviously, by the time they're listening to this, do you know what's next on the docket? Uh, well, you know, we'll do festivals, and I want to sell it so that I can get it out to the public. You know, I, uh, I love the festival circuit. Um, but I'm just as eager for the whole world to have access to it and 
I really want it to play in theaters. So whatever distribution we do get, I hope that'll be a component and that you can see it in your local town. Ah, we'll <laughs> see about that. That's the dream. What's next on you? Like, is the musical the next thing you want to tackle? Do you know what you want to do after all the work with Depraved is finally wrapped up? Um, not quite sure. I have different things in mind, and uh, I never talk about stuff that isn't actually happening because it's so heartbreaking when you realize, oh, shit, I talked about that in an interview, <laughs> you know, seven years ago, and it never happened. So Fair enough. Uh, I'll wait till it's, uh, it's a go, and then... Uh, and then I'll be the first one to talk about my next thing. <laughs> well, where can people keep track of what's happening with Depraved? Is there a good social media site for them to, to see where the next screening is? Well, always at uh, glasseyepicks.com. And, of course, I guess there's some sort of a Facebook version of Glass Eye Picks uh, where we keep you guys up to date, anybody who wants to look at that. And we're on Twitter and all kinds of stuff that I don't know all the handles. I don't know anything about that stuff. <laughs> and I'll try to link all of that in the description for you guys listening so that you can start to follow them on social media and figure out when Depraved is coming to your town. Uh, Larry, thank you so much yeah, for well, taking please, the time. Please. <laughs> oh. Yeah, is it us on uh, Facebook? We do have a site and we keep everybody up to date. So yeah, go find Glass Eye Picks, that's P-I-X on Facebook. And uh Show some love for Depraved. It's definitely going to be a movie that I see people talking about as the festival circuits keep picking it up. Fantastic. And visit our website because you'll see all the uh, back catalog. We've made a lot of cool movies and you can hunt them down on uh, Amazon or Shudder or, uh, or wherever you get your content. All right. Well, thank you so much, Larry. You have a great night. Uh, you too, man. I appreciate it. Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Pass to Dutchie, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. It is mind-blowing and heartbreaking how many original scripts are written every year but are never made. So we seek out these scripts and bring them to life with full audio production and professional actors. Check us out at Undiscover Scripts. Movies made of paper. Wherever you get your podcasts. Free! Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. 
Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.